Hello and welcome to this very special episode of What Were You Thinking? brought to you with Vestiaire Collective and hosted by me, Henry Holland. This week's episode was recorded in front of a very small socially distanced audience live in London with my guest, fashion designer Daniel Fletcher. Enjoy! I'm Henry Holland, if you didn't know that already, and this is the wonderful Daniel Fletcher, who's going to be my guest for uh, this week's episode. Um, and we're here in the incredible Samsung KX space in Coldrops Yard in London's King's Cross, uh, doing this live for the first time. So thank you so much, Daniel, thank you for, having for me. Um, being a part of this with us. And we have a very small... Um, guest list here it's very uh exclusive it's very private it's very uh six people with two meters between all of them so everybody at home can be rest assured that we are very much following every single rule however confusing menswear designer daniel fletcher's star is firmly in the ascendant a designer with meticulous taste and a distinctive sensibility who is already garnering global attention for his work after starting his eponymous label in 2015 when iconic US retailer opening ceremony bought his graduate collection. He gained experience through his studies working with Louis Vuitton, Burberry, Victoria Beckham, and in 2017 was nominated for the LVMH Prize. Then, in 2020, he went global when he graced our screens and went on to the finals of the Netflix show Next in Fashion. Before being, ne- I like Alexander. Next in fashion. Uh, before being named artistic director with iconic Italian label Fiorucci. Today, I want to talk to Daniel about the importance of some of his collections, how they've punctuated his journey thus far, and what the story was behind them how he uses his work to draw attention to social and political issues that he cares about and how he harnesses and utilizes the power of fashion. How was that? That was good. It was good, yeah? It was horrible to hear. I know. Like, it's really nice. Yeah. I just, I'm like... You just sit there being like, (laughs) God, I'm such a big deal. Um, (laughs) Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, So tonight's episode is slightly different. Obviously, we have um, a very dispersed um, crowd whose facial expressions we can't read. So whether they're liking it or not, they're hidden behind a mask. They could be giving us all sorts. Maybe for the best. (laughs) Maybe for the best, yeah. Um, But also, I want to talk to you... um, more for tonight's episode about your collections that you create so through a lot of the episodes that we've uh, been through so far in the series we've been speaking to pop stars and models and talking to them about the clothes that they wear and how they use fashion as a form of expression in that sense um and i think given the setting that we're in tonight amongst all of these amazing uh class of 2020 fashion graduates um we should really talk about um, your collections and the way that you use fashion as a way of expressing yourself through your work. So slightly different. So tell me, what were your earliest memories of fashion? When did you first realize that you had a thing for it? I think I don't, I think I actually came to fashion quite late with mm. deciding to pursue it as a career. Um, I'm from a small town in the, in the north of England and I didn't know how to become a fashion designer or even if that it was possible to be a fashion designer. It was kind of like, it was just not something. Oh, sorry. It's just not something that's talked about. I was from a place called Ramsbottom in the North of England. And I always say the same thing. Like no one said, why have you ever thought of being a fashion designer? Also, I think there was a thing at the time, like growing up in this small town, like saying that I want to be a fashion designer was like Mm. saying that I was gay and at 13 years old, that was not really what I was thinking about at the time. Um, trying to do so, anything to deflect from that. But I, I was always interested in it. I, um, 
was always the kid matching my socks with my t-shirts and drawing pictures of dresses for my mum and stuff. So um, the signs were there. The signs were there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then it wasn't until I moved to London, I studied art foundation at Kingston and yeah. I specialized in fashion there. And then I went on to St. Martin's to study menswear. So it was when you started studying that you really realized that it was an option or? Yeah, it was basically like I, I got down to London and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a fashion designer. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, let's let's go for this. I, I did almost the exact same thing. I came to study journalism and in my halls, it was all these like um, University of the Arts students. So CSM students, Central St. Martin students and London College of Fashion students in my kitchen. That I was sharing a kitchen with and, I, and they were like, Henry, how do you iron on these iron on patches? And I was like, are you joking? <laughs> Like I am doing the wrong degree. Like I should be doing fashion. Um. So then, after your art foundation, then you you got into St Martin's. Yeah. Um. How did that feel? Like you must have been blown away. Yeah, it was. It's really tough to get in there. Yeah. It's kind of. But I, I just had kind of set my mind on it. I was like, this is this is the only place that I want to go. Yeah. Um. And I'd never really thought about it not being an option. It was just like, this is where I want to go. I've yeah. got to get in. It's called manifesting just, that. Yeah, and then somehow it happened, and yeah. Uh, yeah, then I then I went there, and it was amazing. I loved it actually. I think it's it's a very difficult university. They work you really hard. Yeah, you have to work really independently, and um, but I kind of had a great class, great tutors, and I really kind of got the most out of it. Looking back on it, do you think that they taught you all the skills that you needed? I think they probably. I think they prepared me to go into the industry yeah. because the industry is tough yeah. and it's a tough school and kind of, so I was ready when I mm. came out. Um, you don't learn everything there. Like they don't teach you how to do a range plan or your taxes or anything like that. Yeah. But actually what they do teach you is just be creative. Yes. Yeah. And that is being creative like, with taxes is very, <laughs> <laughs> um, being creative. It's the only time where you don't have any pressures of commerciality yeah. or, a boss or anything you're literally just creating so i would say to any students out there actually use that time to just be as creative as possible because you yeah. don't get it again and did you enjoy the whole process because i know that you kind of well i read that you ended up in hospital with like <laughs> stress related illness just before your graduation or your graduate no, show I, like yeah i hand, we did the internal show i handed in the collection and i just like literally worked myself into the ground i yeah. was an absolute mess and then somehow got some kind of infection or something that was I think stress related uh-huh. and then I handed in the collection and the next day I just went to the hospital and I was like I think I need to go to the hospital and they were like you need to stay and they kept me there for a week wow. on a drip with some steroids and then uh and then I was like you've got to discharge me the pressures tomorrow yeah and then I uh had the collection at home and I styled it all the night before and then went into uni the next day and did the show because that's dedication straight from A and E to like the pressure <laughs> of your show. But to all the students who are complaining I about how hard, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the best uh, route to go. Um, so your first collection is the first one that I want to talk about tonight. So we're going to talk about three collections, and the first one I've got a couple of images here, and so it was called Peckham Pony Club, mm-hmm. um, and it was a bit of a commentary on the. Um, the gentrification of Peckham, which is where you were living at the time. And there's kind of, there's lots of humor in your work, lots of kind of, for me, what I recognize as North England sort of humor and sensibility. It's very self-effacing and it's very warm and approachable, but in a really like approachable way, I suppose. Um, So tell me a bit about this collection. Like you were living in Peckham, so it was very much about a personal uh, kind of 
thing you wanted to talk about that you did yeah I mean living there I could see this social change that was happening and actually it's something that's been happening for years and years in all different areas and countries and um, I wrote my dissertation about it and it kind of then led into the collection which was it was for me I could see this kind of mix of like these like it was basically like people come from the pony club and then people who were like living in the city and like this mix that you got I found really interesting but also it was like a serious issue as well like people were being displaced from their homes and yeah. i couldn't afford to live in the area anymore um so i wanted to comment on that but not in like a super like i wanted it to also be like a positive thing as well yeah. like let's let's comment on it and hopefully make some change but also not like ram it down people's throat which yeah. is always if i'm commenting on something with a collection i don't want to like be preachy about it yeah you want people to kind of get the message and want to buy into it i suppose um and um have you always been political because it's some it's kind of it's a theme that runs throughout your work you tend to kind of utilize your collections to bring attention to issues that you really want to draw attention to i i never kind of made a conscious choice to do it but it's just kind of if something's happening around me i feel passionate about it and then somehow it ends up in my work and then and then i use that platform to talk about these things but I think it's important if you've got a platform and people are listening to you and also as a creative outlet as well, it's important yeah. to use that to do something positive. Yeah. And if that's talking about a political issue or a social issue, I think that's something that I will always do. Yeah. Um, and then do you, like you, you often use your, um, your, your platform to discuss political issues. Do you ever wish, because I do, this is why I'm asking the question, I suppose, but do you ever wish that you were alive at sort of more revolutionary periods of fashion in, fashion history so like you know we if we were around more around the kind of era of punk where people there was this real kind of uh, crossover between fashion and music and it felt like people were really making a change from being like really quite anti-establishment whereas i often feel that so much has been done before us mm. for our generation that it almost feels like there's kind of like it's harder to kind of cut through and really kind of make a noise on these kind of yeah I, I know what you mean but I feel like in 20 years maybe we'll look back at this time yeah and and see this as a revolutionary time because actually I do think there's so much change happening right now yeah so many brands are kind of changing the way that they they're stepping away from the traditional schedule and the system and the cal- fashion calendar to do something that is right for them like I'm I'm doing it there's yeah. a lot of brands out there making those changes now and uh, so what changes well. have you made then I mean, from a sustainability perspective, making smaller collections um, that are more consciously designed, where we're sourcing the fabrics from, how many samples we're making, mm. using dead stock fabrics, all of these things that I can do to make a better impact on the planet than than what brands have been doing in the past. Yeah. Otherwise, we won't have, what's the point? Yeah, there if, won't be yeah. any. And also, what's the point in churning out like 50,000 looks a year if you're only going to sell the T-shirts from the collection or something yeah. like that? It doesn't make sense. I think that's a kind of real misconception about the industry for people that aren't working within it. People don't, people go shocked when you explain that a fashion show is made up of maybe 80 looks for some of the bigger houses. And of those 80 looks, maybe 20 of the looks will contain something that ends up on the shop floor. And people don't really realize. and jeans. Yeah, people don't realize the kind of the disconnect between what they see um, on, on the catwalks and the runway than what they see in the shops. Um, so, um, and do you believe in the power of fashion to change people's thoughts and opinions as much as it has the power to change people's view of themselves? So, yeah, absolutely. I think you can, fashion for me is a 
is a platform for expression, mm. like like art, like yeah. music, um, and I think in any creative field you can you can use that to do something positive and if that's kind of changing people's opinion on things yeah. or even if it's not changing their opinion just starting a conversation and encouraging yeah. people to talk about things I think is yeah. a really positive thing and how do you harness that power in the way that you dress yourself so like you said about being a 13 year old kid drawing your mom dresses yeah. back in the north of England like when did you first kind of start to harness the power of fashion in that sense in terms of your own personal expression i feel like you're gonna like pull up small myspace no i oh my god myspace (laughs) i have a folder Um, in my facebook it's just called r.i.p myspace of all my myspace pictures um when i was a teenager i was always like there were always there was the new rave phase yeah the the emo phase that i never did the emo phase jackets and my red skinny jeans and all of this i was too Um, into fake tan and eyeliner to do emo phase (laughs) although eyeliner i probably could have done that Quite well. I feel like if you just brought this quiff down and cut oh God, half an eye. There's a reason why I haven't changed my hair in 16 years. <laughs> the higher the hair, the smaller the nose. I had some nose. very big hair when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, you had some very I, big hair. It was huge. Yeah, Did, A lot of hair. I used to carry a tin of hairspray around in my bag. I thought you were going to say you used to carry a bag of hair. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that would have been incredible. Kind of hairspray. <laughs> just to carry a few weaves around in my bag. Um, okay, so moving on to the second. Actually, on that note, I'm just so, I'm really boring now. I'll just wear a pair of black jeans and a navy blue jumper every day. Are you like Steve Jobs? But, but I do yeah, think, I think there's I'm designing and working in clothes yeah. all the time. When it comes to dressing myself, I'm like, do you think that working in the industry and creating and designing collections and then working on marketing them and working on selling them, do you think there's any part of your soul that just is a bit done with certain parts of it and you just need a break? So that it like gets to the point where you dressing yourself in the morning just you don't want that to be part of your creative decisions and it's a bit like just same thing yeah definitely but there's i mean i still enjoy dressing up like if i'm going out or doing something then i'm i quite like to put a nice outfit on but then if it's just like going to the studio on a weekday i'm like yeah give me a jumper give me a pair of jeans that kind of guy i definitely have different days like some days if i want loads of attention (laughs) (laughs) most uh I well I like I can dress like a complete clown but then other days like if I'm hungover and I don't want anyone to even acknowledge my existence then I'll just wear kind of basically just all black and yeah. just, which is kind of weird for me I suppose um okay so the second collection that I want to talk about tonight with you um is your stay collection and I want to talk about this collection for a couple of different reasons so Again, this was your commentary on the Brexit situation. And I think the name of the collection kind of tells us where, yeah. where you are, where you stand on that. Um, so why did you choose such a strong message when you were like when you were presenting this collection? So this was the first time that I was doing anything that was kind of connected to Fashion Week at all. Right. Because so the first collection, my graduate one was picked up by Oprah. Yeah. ceremony and then I produced that for them and then they were like it sold really well can you do another one so I did another one which I just kind of did on my own and showed outside of the tra- mm. tradition didn't Harry Styles wear your graduate collection on James Corden's yeah, he was, uh, car karaoke he was my first customer actually Harry wow. yeah did he, he pay or, for it yeah he did he bought all the shirts from my graduate collection Wow. Really nice. That's impressive. Um, and it really helped actually like really kicked <laughs> no, kicked no shit. things off <laughs> oh, like, um, but, no kidding <laughs> um yeah, that really helped kick things off. So I did another one for them. Yeah. And then this one, I was I was working for Vuitton at the same time as well. So I was going back and forth between 
London and Paris three days a week okay. um, to do that, which was kind of helping me pay for the label and also like yeah. helping me understand how to run a business. Um, which, but put you right on the like borders of what was going on. Like. Yeah. And it really, Fashion Week that time was, it was a couple of days before the referendum. And I was like, right, if this is an opportunity, if people are going to be paying attention, going to yeah. be looking at the collection, let's use this opportunity to like encourage people to 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 actually go out there and vote and hopefully vote to stay. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't. Um, yeah. But it was really about... It did feel like that referendum game. did feel like the first time the industry as a whole really got behind and was very quite vocal and outspoken mm. about their really strong feelings about how damaging and detrimental like a leave vote would be for, yeah, for the industry and for the country. I think. Like for me, it was so important to talk about that because without being part of the European Union and being able to go and work in Paris and do my internship year there, like receive funding from Erasmus mm. and also like the other way as well, like European students coming into intern for my company in in the UK. Mm. My class at St. Martin's was full of international students yeah. from all over the world. And I think post-Brexit, that might not be the case. People, we don't know what the situation is going to be, if they can yeah. come. Like, um, I think it's really sad. How, like how it will impact you growing your business. Definitely. I mean, even from like a supplier perspective, like we don't know what the tax laws are going to yeah. be, like if, how much it's going to be to import fabrics from Europe and that sort of thing. And I think that they're all factors to consider, but also from just like a person, like a human perspective as well, just like, why do we want to be separate? Like, why do we want to like tear ourselves apart from that? It's That's exactly my favorite. It's like, why would you want to turn your back on something rather than yeah. go towards it? And I yeah. think there's so many layers from a business perspective and, you know, all of those other things you just talked about, but just the general essence of the concept of just being like, no, we don't want to be a part of you, you anymore. I just... yeah. I struggle with so well with the, so with this collection we instead of doing a show yeah. or anything um or like a presentation we went and <laughs> yeah we stood outside the fashion week venue i just got my friends and that's my sister you have some good like, looking friends <laughs> i thought they were all cast models no no they're just people who are all around my age and uh wanted to that kind of get sick. that message out there as well and we just we went and stood outside the fashion week venue and with had our little protest mm. and it it got great press like yeah. it was in the new york times the next day um and for me it was all about getting young people to go out and vote and yeah. engaging them in the discussion because i think it was so the whole campaign for brexit was marketed towards a different generation yeah. and actually we're the people that it's going to affect the most so i really just kind of wanted to get that message out there but i think the way you chose to present it like this protest really kind of tied it all together because i think so many people put these messages into their work that season it was kind of a common theme it was definitely something that was in danger of being sort of a trend which i always worry about being a kind of byproduct of talking about political issues within fashion um but i think just by choosing to to showcase it in this way it kind of it made it all kind of come together and make a lot more sense. I wish more people were doing this. It didn't in, work though, did it? Well, yeah. Well, you tried. Yeah. You tried. Um, but do you think, um, but this is kind of, you know, an example that you were at the forefront of changing the way that you showcase your collections and you weren't just, you know, doing shows. Like you've done shows, you've not done shows, you've done presentations, you've done shoots, you've done digital presentations. Like every season has been different, yeah. actually, which I like. I think it's important to mix it up because actually 
a fashion show doesn't necessarily work for every brand and yeah. definitely not every season. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so shaking it up and just doing what is right for you at that time is, is really important. I think it's really brave as well. I spoke about this recently, but I was, cause I did start doing fashion shows really early on in my career. And then I felt almost stuck yeah. doing them. I felt like I had to do them. Otherwise people would think that I was failing and yeah. you know you had to keep going bigger and keep mm. going better and keep going you know more guests bigger venues this whole kind of you get caught in this cycle and i think it's really brave that you've you know you've done shows and then you've gone back to doing digital presentations that you've really mixed it up i think that's um i think hopefully that's the future i think with you know what we're seeing this week at london fashion week is being a real complete change in terms of the way people are being able to because of the laws um, to present their collections, but do you hope that it brings about a kind of a long-term change yeah. and it kind of really makes people question the system a little bit more? I, re I really hope so. I, I imagine if once we are in a post-COVID world, we just go back to everyone doing fashion shows. It's all like, and every season, and yeah. like editors traveling for three months, like getting yeah. planes all over the place. It's so bad for the planet and yeah. just kind of, it's too much to consume as well. Like I, they just take it all in. It's, I, I hope that brands kind of use this as an opportunity to really assess what is important and what is right for their yeah. brands. So, um, but also the editors and also the publications will like yeah. question their practices and how they're affecting the whole mm. the whole system. I suppose absolutely. This podcast is brought to you with Vestiaire Collective. That's French for shared wardrobe to you and me. The leading global platform for pre-loved fashion. With a community of over 9 million fashion activists buying and selling pieces from each other, if you don't know them, now's the time to check out their circular fashion movement. Download the Vestiaire Collective app and use my special promo code HENRY at the checkout for 20 quid off when you spend just 150. Full T's and C's on vestiairecollective.com. You can thank me later. So moving on to the collection number three. So the third collection we're going to talk about tonight um you called start me up i love this one um this one you it it kind of ties in with talking about the show that you did on netflix because you created this or you created some of this yeah so this this collection came from like the starting point was the netflix collection okay. and then it kind of fed into it evolved. this one yeah so um so this is very different making it in your own studio versus making it there in two days i can imagine like. i can imagine we'll get onto that um but so tell me a bit about this collection where you know obviously you had three days to come up with this and make it and show it in what we saw on tv but was that real or was that yeah i mean we we had sewers helping us yeah which they That's they told you that on the show yeah um but it really was fast it was like we were we would get picked up from the hotel at like five in the morning and then we'd be filming till like 11 at night and it was really like throw it all together and just sew it and just yeah. get it on a model because it was so it was so intense it was like it That's was like the literally week it was like in a normal studio it was like being back on foundation or something though right. where it, it all the rules were out the window like it, it was like i didn't like there was no patterns you were just like <laughs> sewing it together it was mad and but actually so good for me because yeah. I've spent the last uh, four years like working on the business and yeah. kind of so much of my time now is taken up with like line plans and invoicing and all of this kind of stuff and actually I was back on a sewing machine draping mm. cutting patterns like it was it was amazing and it kind of re-energized me um, yeah. actually and then 
when I came back, I was like, there were parts of that collection that I felt were really relevant to kind of what I was doing with the brand. And I was like, okay, let's take that as a starting point and, and yeah. build around it. So when you get to a starting point for a collection, do you, is it something that you have to kind of sit down and go like, okay, this collection, we need to start, you know, doing research and thinking about what our starting point is going to be. Or do you have almost like a queue of ideas of like creative ideas that you just need the output? Yeah. There's like a queue. There's a queue. Yeah. yeah. Notes listed. Yeah all over the place notebooks phones yeah. whatever um and it yeah the i don't always know i'm not a person who has like a really specific image of what that collection is going to be when i start it it kind of like evolves and grows and so i will do a few looks and then we'll do a fitting and then yeah. we'll do a few more um and then kind of it doesn't really i never really know what it's going to be until like the day before we <laughs> release yeah. it actually um which is like maybe a quite a scary way for some people to work but it's well, no, just the way it, that i work. should keep evolving until yeah. the very last minute otherwise it's never going to be the best it can be yeah. unless you're still and the working. bits that i always love the most are the ones that oh. are done last yeah so what can you remember which the first look was that you created in this collection then? it was this one with the the jockey shirt amazing yeah um so you're actually gonna um donate that original oh yeah sample yeah for us, actually um, yeah. which we're gonna <laughs> Perfect. Even Look at that. Videos. That was seamless. Um, you're actually going to donate um, that jockey shirt, which we're going to be selling on Vestiaire Collective um, on the What Were You Thinking page. Um, and all of the proceeds are going to be donated to your charity, which is... Is Help Refugees. Which is Help Refugees, which you've worked with before and you did a t-shirt yeah. last year. So right? um, they run the Choose Love campaign and uh, they I designed a t-shirt for them last year and um, they do so much amazing work and um, in helping people who are displaced from their homes and need help. And it's a really amazing charity. So Amazing. Well, that piece is actually, for everyone here tonight and anyone watching at home, um, it's, uh, it's going to be live on the app from uh, this Friday. So I don't know what day it is. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be live on the website, on the Bestia <laughs> Collective <laughs> website on Friday. And I'm going to buy a diary. <laughs> um, okay, so um, just going back to this collection then. What was the um, experience of being on the show like, being on the TV show? Did you worry about what people's perceptions would be about you doing reality TV? That was, I mean, I was absolutely terrified going into it. When they first contacted me, I was like, this is not real. Like, I'm not going on. Like, yeah. this, what are you talking Like, I just thought it was some kind of joke. You know, you get these emails. Yeah. And then I, like, played along a bit. I was like, yeah, so sure, we'll have a did you get scouted? Like, someone just came and contacted yeah. you? Okay. Um, they emailed me and were like, we're doing this Netflix show, like, can we have a call with you? And I was like, well, let's see what it is. And I was like, it, it could have been absolute trash. Like, mm -hmm. you never know. And I was like, I've worked for years trying to build a reputation as yeah. a credible fashion designer. Yeah. Um, and I was like, if I go on a reality TV show, is it going to be like, I don't know, like Big Brother or something? And yeah. it's like, a, am I going to be horrible? Or I don't know. I was, I was nervous. Um, and even when I got there, I was still umming and ahhing whether I would actually do it. Really? Um, what, when you got to LA before? Yeah, because we had to do, they brought out more designers than were actually on the show and we did screen tests and um, there was like, a, some people didn't make it onto the show. Ooh. And at that point I was like, oh God, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. Um, and then I, I'd said to her, I hadn't even told people, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going for a week because I was like, I didn't think I would make it onto the show or what. And how long was the filming process done? Two months. <gasps> and every, and I just kept saying like, oh, I'm probably coming home next week, probably coming home next week because as soon as you were out, you flew home. Right. Um, 
And then it just like kept getting longer and longer and longer. And everyone in London was like, what? Like, are you actually? <laughs> Where are you? Also, because I couldn't tell work? anyone what I was doing. Right. And, but then people knew I was in LA and they'd be like, Daniel's been in LA for like two months. Yeah, it was mad. It was really crazy. But such an amazing experience. I like moving to a different country yeah. at this stage in my career and my life and doing that and taking myself out of the business for two months was yeah. was really liberating and it kind of re-energized me and gave me some of that passion back for actually designing because I was designing so much and so quickly. Yeah. Um, and also I met some amazing people like Minju is amazing and I love her and um, I'm so glad that I got to have that experience. Yeah. And do you feel, watching it back, do you feel like it gave a really a good representation of what the process is like in terms of creating and showing collections? I mean, it was very... Mm like a shinier version. Yeah. But I felt like of all the things that I've seen on the TV that kind of follow that process, I feel like it was the the, the truest to reality that... Yeah, I think from that... Yeah, there are elements. I, I would say it is the most realistic. Mm. However, like when I'm working on a collection, I'm researching and designing, like then yeah. you would literally, they'd be like, okay, this week it's sportswear. And then you'd literally have 10 minutes to like draw something and then the fabric cupboard would open you'd have to get your fabrics. So like... <laughs> No one works like that. It was no, but I was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go. Did it help your creativity, or it just you didn't have time to think? And actually, yeah. I I would say one of my positive attributes is yeah. that I can like solve a problem quite like I just figure it out. You were pretty unflappable as well. There was some moments, yeah, and I stay calm as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Is that just a front? Are you full blown panicking underneath? I just think the stage point getting stressed out about it. You know, you just yeah. got to like figure it out and also if you don't do it then it's not the end of the world it's just it's just, just a shirt or something like it's, um so yeah i was just like you know what yeah we're here on a tv show it's not real like, did you ever did you ever watch fashion house with gareth Pugh years ago yeah i've seen it yeah see that was a good one as well because yeah. they were all kind of like i think Is rihanna on that no that was one i did oh. <laughs> that, I actually... was, that was called style to rock but thanks Daniel. oh yeah yeah Cool. Wasn't one of the contestants from Style to Rock, from Next in Fashion on Style to Rock? I don't know. Not we that I remember. Marco. I think he worked on... Marco? I think he worked on Style to Rock. Maybe. Hey. I don't know. Could be chatting rubbish here. This. I mean, I barely remembered I was on it. Could <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Um, uh, so, what? Oh, come on, what were Alexa and Tan like? Oh, I love Tan and Alexa. They re- it really felt like they were our mum and dad. Like they did they give you advice off camera, unsolicited. Mm, there was one moment <laughs> where, like, we did a bit of a lineup thing, yeah. and like Tan was a bit like he was like, mm, not sure about this, not sure about this, and like, um, but it was obviously to try and like get me a little bit right, scared oh, or like yeah. it was when it was just me and Minju and like, and I, he was like, oh, don't you think it's quite similar to things you've done before? And then we stopped filming and we were just like stood there having a chat and he was like, and I said to him, I was like, of course I'm going to do things that look like they're recognisable Daniel Fletcher pieces because I'd be mad to go on a TV show yeah. and not do things that look like me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. And then he got in trouble for that because he like shouldn't have uh, told his real opinion. I don't know. Okay. I don't think they were allowed to give us like their opinions, but yeah. they did a bit. I mean, they're great. Who was them. the harshest like guest judge or permanent judge? Because, like, Christopher mm. Kane was on. Christopher Eva was great. Chen. I really liked him. Eva was nice. Uh, Prabhul Garang was a bit tough. 
Was it? Yeah, he was like, oh, look at this buttonhole. It's not done very well. I'm like, it's a buttonhole. I've got two days to I've make an entire made two looks in about 12 hours. You tell me my buttonhole's not very good. I was like, you go get on that sewing machine and make this suit then. Like, <laughs> they should have put that on the shelf for sure. Um, how has it affected your business? Like, how did this collection do? Did you, did, you feel, did you see like a significant change? Yeah, it's really been like this year has been really good from a business perspective. But it's also really mad because it's changed from being like people who followed the brand and watch fashion shows and like look to me as a, like a fashion show designer. Yeah to actually people who just like like the brand now and are happy to buy like a t-shirt and hoodie like yeah. which is a product that we never really did before yeah um but that's the that's the golden <laughs> egg yeah you can just whack your I mean, everyone wears a t-shirt so it's yeah good. yeah um, even but, you <laughs> yeah. um so it it's funny to have like there's some like fans now which yeah is that i was never really expecting. how how frequent is the selfies in burger king well before lockdown it was like, it was really crazy. Like I would, cause the show just came out in February yeah. and then I was like going to the office and stuff and like yeah. people would like stop me on the street and then COVID happened and then right. it was like, everyone's got a mask on and no one goes yeah. near each other. So then someone the other day like was like, oh, can you have a picture with my daughter? And I was like, COVID. <laughs> if you stay two <laughs> like, meters away, genius. thank you very much. <laughs> I was obviously, I was like nice about it, but I was like, oh, like we shouldn't go too close. <laughs> yeah. Stand back. Um, but that's good though that it's like it's had a positive yeah it's, it like, really has social and stuff like has really like increased yeah, yeah definitely and also what's been nice is I was worried that the fashion industry mm. journalists and stuff would like turn their nose up at it yeah. a bit and be like oh he's done a reality TV show yeah. now but actually everyone loved the show I think because I think they they did the show really well it wasn't yeah. catty or about yeah. like it wasn't too much about people's personalities. It was really like... But also I think show. the industry is much more open now like than it was even five, ten years ago. People are much more open to kind of the the high-low thing. You know, like they're, mu- they, they're just as happy to go to a Kanye Yeezy show and sit next to Kim Kardashian, who's the biggest reality TV star as they are, sit at front row at a Chanel show, you know. Yeah. And I think there's kind of those boundaries have kind of been broken down now. So I think... As long as you come across well and your work is showcased in, in the right way, I think it's fine. Um, and then you just literally released your first ever pre-collection on Yeah, on Friday, Friday two yeah. Two days ago. Yeah, for Fashion Week. Um, and how did that go? It went really well. So I've kind of moved away from doing these, like for, for now, especially, yeah. it doesn't make sense to do like a huge collection. Um, so I did this one in June and released it so when this one came out, you could buy it straight away. So we released yeah. the lookbook and then it went onto the website the next day. Yeah. Um, and then I did the same. That with, with the start me up one. Yeah. Us. Yeah. And then I did the same um, for Fashion Week this time as well. But it's, it's 24 pieces and yeah. they are pieces that you can buy right now. And the intention was that they are right for now. I'm not designing a huge collection of like loads of things that yeah. like samples that are never going to leave the studio yeah. it was we used offcuts we used waste fabrics yeah. um things that we had available worked with local seamstresses and like, yeah. british manufacturers so it's just a capsule of 24 pieces um that are much more conscious and considered and it's just for now yeah actually. And is your business now much more focused to like selling direct rather than selling through stores? Yeah, honestly, wholesale is really difficult yeah. for any brand. Like the, and especially when you're a young brand and, and small and independent, it's 
the wholesale accounts hold all the power the stores yeah. and they don't pay you for weeks and you've got to produce it and actually yeah. this allows me to connect so much more with my customer yeah. and understand what they're buying and how they're wearing it and um kind of goes back to that old school notion of like being a shopkeeper and being yeah. on the shop floor um and kind of seeing who's buying your stuff and then getting their feedback I think yeah. when you're working direct it's much yeah. it's much more useful I yeah. think rather than hearing what a store wants because they're not yeah. necessarily yeah, because they will look at a collection and actually it's that the buyer's taste that yeah. dictates what people see so they'll look at a collection and they they're like okay well our our store sells sweatshirts really well yeah. and joggers and tracksuit pants and yeah. i'm like well that's not really representative <laughs> of my brand we have some of those things in the collection yeah. but if they do an order which is like not the doesn't tell the full story it's a bit of a shame really so this way at least i, I still sell to stores but yeah um and it is very much part of the business, but selling direct is is kind of the focus now. Yeah, good. Okay, so final question then. Um, if you were to give yourself um, some advice, if you were in the six seats that we have here in the audience and the you know you just graduated and you were just about to go out into the world, what would be the one piece of advice that you wish someone had given you at that time? Mm, I would say work hard don't take it too seriously and just enjoy it actually because if you just if you don't take it too seriously and you do enjoy it but you still work hard mm. then you can have fun and you will yeah there's no point getting stressed out about things so i mean that's a bit of a rambling you know, <laughs> no that's but, that's pretty I mean, much exactly how i would put it as well yeah yeah that's what i'd say okay well um thank you so much for being um on this episode of what were you thinking um <laughs> And we're actually going to open up the floor to some questions from our huge crowd uh, to see if anybody has any questions that they'd like to ask Daniel. Um, so if anybody has a question, this is the first time we've ever done this, by the okay. way. Um, so for next week's episode, actually, if anybody has any questions, um, I'll tell you where to tweet shortly. Sorry. Hi. Um, has sustainability always been something from the beginning or is it something you've picked up recently like to change with the world? It's something that has been in my mind since the beginning, like we always produced in the UK um, and tried to maintain a low carbon footprint. But now I think more than ever, it's really in the forefront of everything that I do, like whether that be packaging or kind of where we're sourcing our fabrics from. It's just it's so important now. And I think I wasn't as aware. Like there were definitely things in the past that I, I'd look at now and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. That was so bad. Um, but I was also just naive and just trying to start a brand without really knowing what I was doing. Um, but now I'm like, if we don't make the changes now, then we won't have a planet to or people to wear the clothes in the future. Like this, it's that serious. Happy Sunday, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Since the show, like you've you've dressed some really exciting people, yeah. Like Tommy Dorfman for Drag Race, that was oh yeah, that was pretty epic. Um, who was your favorite? Um, that you've kind of I used to get asked this all the time, and I never used to want to answer it. But I can I can I literally my mind goes blank when people ask me who I did a look for Troy Sivan for his tour. Yeah, that was really fab. Amazing. Like a stripy split ham trouser yeah. situation. Did you get to really fit nice. it and like meet him and do the whole thing? Or did you no, it, it worked with his stylist and sent it to LA, and they 
they altered it there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, who else is fun? I mean, Harry Styles is great. Like, yeah. He looks First good customer. Does he still yeah. does he still wear it? And yeah, I like... send him some stuff sometimes, but I think he has some big brands that he works with specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rhymes with Gucci. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Yeah. Uh, um, have we got any other questions? Again, we've got a question on the front row here. Pink socks. Do you have any plans to make any more political collections? I never really plan it, you know. It's just kind of like, it just happens. It's when I'm designing the collection, it kind of, if there's something going on that I feel passionately about, it will just kind of creep in there. It's not a conscious decision normally. I'm hopefully, fuming. maybe, hopefully the world will be in a slightly better place and I won't, yeah. I won't have to be doing a Brexit collection again. Well, I'm just fuming I stopped making rhyming t-shirts before getting to rhyme Trump and dump, but um, oh, yeah. never mind. You could do a special. One I off. really could, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Available next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Available in November. Um, yes. You've gained work experience on many established designers. Can you give graduates advice on how to apply and gain these positions? I would say hmm, that actually it's really important to go and intern and gain experience in houses because if you, I mean, especially if you start your own label, you can't do your own label unless you work for someone else. I think that's first. (laughs) Well, unless you're a special case and extremely (laughs) talented. Um, But when applying for them, I mean, I got my first internship because I didn't really know how Fashion Week worked. And I was just like, went on London Fashion Week website and looked at the designers and was like, oh James Long that's nice wow. and then I um, was like what's the contact details then just called up this number and this woman answered and it was the, the PR and then I just chatted to her and I was like uh, do you need any interns and then she I, I noticed she had a northern accent and I was like are you from the north I'm from <laughs> Chester <laughs> like, I'm oh, yeah, from and she was like come in and see us and then um, so then I got an internship at this PR agency and that was just to like like just so that I could under yeah like worked in the showroom was like sweeping up like what do you look for when people apply to come and intern with you because I always used to say mini eggs and then people would send me lots of mini eggs (laughs) um I've not tried that that's really good yeah I once said at a talk if you ever want me to pieces yeah if you ever want to get my attention send your cv with a bag of mini eggs (laughs) and then like for weeks I got inundated. It's a really good idea. Um, (laughs) I like, what do I look for? Someone who's really organized. Our studio is really, like, it's very calm. Like, I'm quite methodical in the way that I work. And I want someone who's not going to bring, like, stress and drama and it's just going to, like, fit into the team and be very calm. So, like, like a nice, neat portfolio, a garment bag full of clothes, but that's neatly sewn. (laughs) Take notes. Everyone's like that. In what direction do you see your brand going in in the next five to ten years? Um, I would, I think that introducing more women's is going to be kind of something that I'm going to do. Do you shoot all your collections now on men and women? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like clothes don't have gender. A shirt is a shirt. Like there's sometimes there's going to be fit issues, but also like not every man fits one shape. Not every woman fits one shape. So um, kind of just cutting down those boundaries and just making clothes that are for everyone is yeah. is important. Yeah. Also introducing some other categories as well. Like we don't really do we don't do bags. No. Yeah. I would love to I used to when I was at Viton I was doing bags and I would love to do oh. that. Yeah. I think it'd be a slightly different experience doing bags outside of Viton than it yeah. is. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> still still fun. 
Okay, but thank you. Thank you so much, Daniel. No, That's all of our questions. And if anybody has any questions for our next guest on What Were You Thinking podcast, our next episode is with Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters. I can't say that. I'm going to have to figure that out. And um, if you have any questions for Jake, then please uh, tweet them to me at WWYT underscore podcast. And that's everything for tonight. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everyone being here and being patient with your masks on and sitting nowhere near your friends. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.